shit. Did anyone get hit with some joy? Amen. It's so good to, to just abandon ourselves in worship and just run to him. I love moments like that where I know people are being set free. Someone at the, uh, in the hallway just told me right when they were sitting there worshiping, thinking, oh, I just feel just downtrodden. I just feel they couldn't think of the word. And then, uh, and then we began to pray for those that are, that are just burdened and oppressed and just left like that. Amen. And so it's just good. Know that that's normal. Amen. That, that, sh- that should be normal. See, we have to learn to live out of the overflow and not allow the enemy of our souls um, to, to war against our souls, our mind, will, and emotions. That's why the scripture says abstain from fleshly lust because it wars against our soul. You know, sin is not as a big of a deal as most legalistic people make it. Not to God. God is concerned with your heart and right relationship. Now, sin is like a poison to us. And, and the things that we run after sometimes, and, and it, it, it brings us low, it hurts us. And so that's normal, though, for the Lord to come alongside and just say, hey, that stuff you're carrying, let me get rid of it. Next week, we're going to be doing, Laris is probably going to do like a, a spoken word, and it's towards the, the hurting, it's towards the unsaved, and we're going to talk about how God just lifts off that burden of sin, the stain of sin, the shame, the disdain, the things, the condemnation, how Jesus comes in and says, I love you. He comes in and he says, you know what? Leave them alone. They're mine. My blood was shed for them. There's so much power in that. That is the gospel, saints, that we literally carry this, the ability to, to bring somebody into the reality of the love of God through your life, not just your words. That you can come into their life and say, hey, man, why are you beating yourself up? Jesus is not mad at you. I don't care what religion made it. I don't care what preacher said it. God loves you. Now, he's asking you to turn your heart to him. That's repentance. But it's a message of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. You can never take repentance out of the gospel. There'll never be people born again without acceptance and repentance. You have to believe and receive. You marry the two, and there's a birthing. It's called born again. You're born again. But we have to stop carrying this message of, Oh, Lord, you know, you, you got it, brother, you need to just repent. Or you're going to burn. We have this, this concept of God. God is not so much concerned with sin as you. He's concerned with your heart and your relationship with him. Now, sin can affect that big time. It changes you. It will poison you. It will destroy you. We have to warn people that are running in the wrong direction, but we don't tell them that God's mad at them. Or, you know, I believe God's on the throne right now looking at you and he's just disappointed. I don't think God gets disappointed. You might disagree with me. I think he gets grieved. I don't tell my children I'm disappointed with them. You know why? That literally means to be removed from position. They're still my kids. I'm grieved. That's just the language I like to use with my kids. I'm, I, don't, I never tell, I, I'm proud of you and I want you to make me more proud. I love you, but I'm grieved when you don't obey me because it's going to hurt you when you run out away from daddy when I'm holding your hand and there's cars going by. But I don't tell my kids I'm disappointed in them. See, we've got to learn what the love of God is. This morning, we're going to be talking about our current paradigm. A paradigm is a framework by which holds our thoughts, 
theologies and spiritual practices. You see, some of us have been with the same paradigm since we got born again. And God is wanting to reveal more to us. He's wanting to expound on the reality of you being a a son and a daughter of God by manifesting himself to you. And you're still in the old paradigm and things are not working right for you. And so this morning, I want to talk about this verse that was just stirring in my heart. And it was a cry of Isaiah. It was a prayer in Isaiah's time. It was a prayer that people still pray today, which I don't think it's wrong to pray this prayer, but we're going to talk about the current paradigm that we're in. You see, there was a kindred cry in the Old Testament of the prophets. There was a cry of the prophets. It was a cry of intercession, a cry of brokenness, saying, oh, if the people of God would just stop running from him, they would be blessed. It was a cry that, that was a cry of repentance. It was a cry that God would just change things, that he would open the heavens and come down. How many know that all through the Old Testament, that is the story, the whole love story of the Bible is that God would come down and be with us. And knowing that that's not just the cry of the prophets, but that was in the heart of God himself saying, I want it to be like it was in the garden. I just want to hang out with you. And so Isaiah, most of these prayers, by the way, pointed to the Messiah. They pointed to freedom. All, and they became perf- prophetic declarations to the Messiah. Isaiah is full of prophecies of the Messiah. In Isaiah 64, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Isaiah says this, Oh, that you would rend or tear the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known and your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. Wow. Verse 3. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. The mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. So the cry of Isaiah was in, in his time, in his paradigm, Isaiah's Old Testament framework that God would literally tear open the heavens and come down to earth and change things. The word tear, the word rend is kara, which means to tear into pieces, to rend, to tear away, to divide asunder, to enlarge. What's interesting is that in the Old Testament, this word wasn't just a word as one would, you know, tear a garment, but it was a violent word. It was used as a word as a beast would tear open flesh. He, he was praying a violent prayer. Listen, saints, before we continue in this message, don't forget that there are answers in violent prayers. I'm telling you, there's a prayer. I love the verse in the Old Testament. It says, when they buried the bones of Saul, they prayed and it moved God. He said, why isn't God moving? Because your prayers aren't moving him. 
God's looking for somebody to have a cry from the well of their heart. Let me tell you what got us where we are right now in this church at this time is a cry from our heart for God to rend the heavens. God, I'm tired of church without your presence. I'm tired of not being able to hear from you. I want revelation. I want to know what you're saying. I don't want to live off yesterday's manna. I don't want to stay in this paradigm. I need more, God. There's hurting people. There's some lost people that don't need religion. They're not going to, nothing's going to happen to them when we give them a happy little message and a Jesus loves you and a God bless you. They need to encounter you, God. So rend the heavens. You see, there's a violent cry and a violent prayer. We've got to get We've got to get serious about this thing, saints. We've got to understand how much power is in declaration. Just freedom. Just like that, freedom. You don't even have to shout it sometimes. Freedom. I, I've seen the Spirit of the Lord move in so many different ways. I remember just walking up to, to certain people at the altar and just saying, freedom, the burden's gone. And they just melt. I didn't even have to, Lord, I pray that you would know God's waiting for you to decree freedom over people. To proclaim liberty to the captives. See, we're going to talk about our paradigm because I believe a lot of our Christianity is from an Old Testament lens. We're looking through the glasses of what God did yesterday. When God's saying, take off the glasses because I healed your eyes and I want you to see differently this time. And it's time that we become violent in our prayer. See, David in, in 2 Samuel 13, 31 ripped his clothes when he heard his son was dead. He was violent in that moment. He said, oh God, no. And he ripped his clothes. Imagine, God forbid, this ever happened to you because it is not God's will that someone you love was murdered. And David rips his clothes. He ripped them apart. That's the word. That's the prayer of Isaiah. God, rip open the heavens because I need you to come down in this situation. Another time it's, it's used as a demonstration. I love the verse in Lamentations 2.19. It says, rise during the night and cry out. How many pray at night? Come on. How many just cry out to the Lord? I've been hearing from some of the intercessors and the prophetic watchmen. God has me waking up at three praying. God has me waking up and he's speaking to my heart. Why? Because we're, we're shifting. Something is happening. It's about ready to bust loose. Even greater. Well, God's doing so. Yes, but there's more. And in order for you to contain what he wants to give you, you've got to understand what your current paradigm is. Your framework. Because you have theologies, beliefs, and spiritual practices, and God wants to give you some new stuff, but it might not fit in your current paradigm. You see, the harvest is plentiful. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. Lord, we pray for the harvest. God's like, I said pray for the laborers. Hello? Read it again. Matthew, wherever it is, chapter 10 or something like that. He said, pray for the laborers. And we're praying for the harvest. Now, we can intercede for the prodigals and the lost. But listen, he's waiting for the nets to be secure before he says, okay, fish, jump in there. Jesus said, real simple, just throw your net over there. Watch what happens. That's all. See, God is wanting us to change our framework so that he can really give us what he wants to give us. 
There's a harvest that's about ready to come in. That, it, it, I mean, we literally, we're, we, we'll be ripping apart at the seams. God, just an, an overflow of souls getting saved, healed, and delivered. And we're going to be moving into some discipleship things. See, some of you are disciple, being discipled, and you're going to, you need to be discipled. Amen? That's, that's, an, that's probably one of the most important things that needs to be restored to the body of Christ. True discipleship. True relational discipleship. Not just once a week taking a vitamin and living off of it. This is not supposed to feed your spiritual life. It's supposed to supplement it. Take a multivitamin in the morning without eating. See how you feel in about three hours. You'll feel nauseous. No wonder we got some sick Christians around. You see, God wants you to grow. He wants you to feed yourself. He wants you to grow. And we're going to be moving into discipleship. One of the reasons that, that God, quote, is not moving is because we're not able to handle what he wants to give us. He's not going to give you what you can't handle. God, reveal your glory to me. If he did that, you'd die. I want to know all of it, God. Okay, here you go. Isaiah got a glimpse, and he said, I'm ruined, God. I'm undone. Even the angels perfect in heaven are covering their faces because of the glory of God. It blinded Saul on the road to Damascus, and you're playing, reveal your glory, Lord. You don't know what you're asking for. Rend is a violent word. I love this verse, rise and cry out in the night. Pour out your heart like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading for your children, for in every street they are faint with hunger. You see, the word like water denotes shedding of blood. Lord, rend my heart. Lord, rend my heart, and I'm pouring it out to you like water. I'm I'm praying in the night hour. What a prayer that God would come down. I, I love that. That God would come down. See, we have a problem theologically because we're taught, well, God's omnipresent. Well, yeah, but not all in the same sense. Otherwise, you wouldn't have the tabernacle. You wouldn't have Jesus say, where two or more gathered, I'm there in the midst. It's funny because we'll say, well, God's omnipresent. And we get it from basically one portion of scripture in the Old Testament. In the Psalms, when I go to Sheol, you're there. When I ascend to the highest mountain, you're there. But Isaiah prayed God come down. You see, there, there's something we cannot lose because, see, our theologies are so set that it's, it's like a box. And, and we put God in a box. And in all Old Testament, he was in a box. So let's get rid of the boxes. And we pray prayers. And, oh, wait, how are we praying for God to come? If he's already here, well, I'm confused. Well, he is here because he's in it. I mean, he, he literally, everything consists and is held together by him. Colossians chapter 1. It just everything, it, the, the atoms that are held together, science, why are they staying together? I don't understand. The proton, the neutron, the electron, they should split apart. It's a mystery. It's because it's the creator. Amen? God holds it all together. But listen. We have to understand this language here. God, come down. There's something about the manifest presence of God. You see, when the church settles in their theologies, we miss the new that God wants to do. I mean, everyone has their own theology. It's good. We have to study the scripture. We have to have foundation. But when God comes with a jackhammer and wants to take some of our foundation off because it's not 
right because he knows if he builds on it, the building's going to go later like the leaning tower of Pisa. Amen? He's trying to get the foundation right. So what a prayer. God, come down and open the heavens. See, there's a lot of prayers that God wanted to answer, and and they were answered in Jesus. Some of them have yet to be answered, but how many here feel like you've been praying that same thing and God just hasn't quite answered it yet? Maybe he has. Maybe he's answered part of it. Maybe he's already answered it and you don't realize it because you don't want to hear what everyone around you is saying. That's another story. Amen. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, yeah, but, okay. Don't learn the hard way, though. We love you. You see, God wants to answer and give you some things, but your current paradigm, your framework, might not be able to handle it. And so this morning, I want to illustrate to you what this is. You see, your thoughts, revelations, your spiritual practices are all contained in something. It's contained in your paradigm. It's contained in something that could be illustrated as such. And these are your theologies. This is the pool of of heaven, God's revelation, what he gives us. So we have so many different ideas and theologies. Revelation. God reveals himself. You know, what God has said. Well, you know, I know God loves me. And so there's these ideas, these revelations we have, and it just fits in our paradigm. It works. It makes sense. We get it. We understand it. And then there's more, and we grow in the spirit. And, oh, I'm supposed to give to the Lord finances, stewardship. Well, my finances and my spiritual life, I don't know if this really fits. You know what? Most of you will understand this. That doesn't really go in my paradigm. Although the church is tithing well, in, in, not as a whole, most people separate, I love the way Pastor Shane puts it, is they separate their spiritual walk and their finances. So we have these frame, this framework that we like to fit, and there's certain things we don't, we don't really want to put in our framework. We have things like, what is an open heaven? He, you know, Isaiah prayed, open the heavens, Lord, what is that? So... We're thinking as believers that, well, maybe the heavens close sometimes. I don't understand. Well, okay, I'm putting that in my framework. And God reveals more to us. We grow. They're very simple. They're, they're all about the same size. They, you know, they look just right. You know, church is just right to us. How do I pray? Prayer is important. I, I need to pray. So maybe we were raised with the religious background and we have our prayer beads and we have our repetitious prayers, Father God, Lord God, and we just got filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I can speak in tongues now. I'm putting that in my paradigm. Amen. That's a good one right there. That's a good one. Giving and stewardship, healing. What, what, well, God wants to heal today. Wait, does he want to heal? But he is the healer, so he can't not do what he is. That doesn't make sense. But we still limit it based upon circumstances. Even Jesus himself didn't heal them all and do mighty miracles because of their unbelief. And so we have theologies that we build. Well, I pray for so-and-so and they didn't get healed. But I pray for so-and-so and they did get healed. And we've seen a lot of healings. But healing is in itself a theology from the scripture, and it fits nicely into our paradigm, into our framework. 
You see, God wants to give you more, though. This is not all there is. Although it looks nice and we're used to it, all our stuff fits in there just fine. I got my Bible. I've got a nice little cover for it, too. Rochelle, show them your cover. It's so beautiful. Oh, it's in the car. I'm preaching, and you leave your Bible in the car. Lord, someone help me right now. My wife is... uh, You see, we got all the bumper stickers. There's our paradigm. I, I got even a witness wear because I'm a witness for the Lord. Glory to God. We love our Christian lingo. Amen. Amen. We don't even know what that means. Amen. amen. We say amen to everything. Amen. I told you last week I ran into a guy. I haven't seen you in a long time. Amen. I'm like, what, you didn't want to see me? What do you mean? Amen. He's so used to amen in his paradigm that that's just Amen. You look ugly. Amen. Should have said that real quick, snuck it in there, and they'd be like, wait, what did I just say? So we have a paradigm that we are happy with, and God is saying, you know what? There's some things I'd like to show you that's not like the other, and but it's not going to fit in the paradigm. Healing is not just for today, but I've actually put it in your hands. And you're praying, God, please heal this person. When I said, command the sickness to leave, he gave them power over sickness and disease. But it's not working out too well. Our concept of God. God's in control. Oh, it's not round. That doesn't even make sense. Please throw it back at me. Ladies and gentlemen, God, God is in control. Where's that in the Bible? Oh, I'm leaving this church. That's what? God is in control is not in the Bible. The Bible says the ruler of this world, Satan, let me tell you something. When Jesus ascended in heaven, he said, go therefore. He said, all authority and power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore. In other words, I'm going to use you to bring my dominion. He told him to preach the kingdom of heaven. So God has chosen in some regards sovereignly, because see our definition of sovereignty is God is in control because of theology rooted actually back in 500 AD with St. Augustine. He, He said that, by the way. You can't find it in the Bible. That God is in charge is a much better term. He chooses sovereignly to intervene. He can do whatever he wants, but he has sovereignly chosen not to in a lot of regards. And he wants you to run with the baton. And so our concept of God does not fit in our current paradigm. And we're praying for revival. We don't even know what it's, what, you know, we're praying for things and we know, oh yeah, I know what revival looks like. People are going to get saved. And you, don't be so presumptuous. God is wanting to give us some more. Say more. There's more. But he's not going to give us more than we can handle. And listen, no matter how I look at this, oh, that's a neat one. What's that? It looks like some kind of thing that came out of the ocean. It's still not fitting. And I can change the perspective, but it's still the same paradigm. A lot of people, well, we need to change our perspective. No matter what angle I look at this vase, And seeing the items that are in it, it looks a little different, but it's still the same paradigm. 
Listen, church, I want to prophesy to you. Until we're ready and we get a paradigm shift, we're not going to see the latter rain and the outpouring that he wants to pour out in Henderson. We've got to change our framework. We have got to start seeing a little bit better. We've got to start praying bigger prayers. The one Isaiah prayed was phenomenal. I love it. But technically, Jesus answered that prayer when he came. He prayed and he said, when he was baptized, he prayed and it said the heavens open. And so we pray prayers, God move, God move, when he's like, listen, I have a well in you that wants to spring up. You know, scientists right now, that Jesus said, if you drink of me, rivers of living water will flow out of your belly, out of your heart. Do you know science right now not only are learning that the heart is like the second brain, they're calling it the second brain. Tens of thousands of neurons connected to the brain. It's like the second brain. So when Solomon writes, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, it was not just, you know, it wasn't just some, well, that's just a type of. No, literally, the heart thinks. There are science, scientists right now realizing the heart is so powerful, it can literally change the whole environment around it. The heart, in the natural, the way somebody thinks, operates, and who they, you ever felt something change when somebody walks in the room? It's the heart. Some people are strong. It's just, it's the, it's the way they carry themselves. You ever been around someone, you just feel the Holy Spirit? Because they're just, they're just overflowing. Now, science is just now discovering this stuff. But we're so stuck in our paradigm, we think that, oh, that's new age. No, they're just seeing things in creation. But if we understand how much power God has given us by the Holy Spirit, without measure, by the way, but we're still stuck in the old paradigm, well, I have the anointing of so-and-so. Well, maybe that might be a trait or a spice or a flavor to your anointing, but guess what? I'm not going to be stuck in a paradigm of just a mantle when God says the anointed one lives in me. Hello? I'm not downing the former generation that has almost worshipped mantles, but that's the old paradigm. I'm, I don't want just a mantle. I want the anointed one and his anointing that he gives without measure to come out of me like rivers of living water. So I'm not just praying, you know, right now I could use the anointing of John G. Lake and I could raise this person from the dead. Or Smith Wigglesworth, that's a good one. We honor our fathers. We glean from them. If you have never read about Smith Wigglesworth, get some stuff from him. Dillard gave me a book. Was it Dillard that gave me the book? Ever-Increasing Faith, one of the best books. Smith Wigglesworth. We, we learn, we glean, amen? The witnesses have gone before us. But listen, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have the anointed one that lives in you. Don't limit your own life by talking about a mantle when God, that's an old paradigm. When God says, no, no, it's so much bigger than that. That's, that's great. You can glean and you have, I mean, put them all together and Jesus walked in all of them. He did it all. Amen. And so God wants to change our paradigm. What is a paradigm shift then? The reason I'm illustrating this is to help you understand what a paradigm shift is. It's not a change of perspective. It's more than that. It's a change of framework by which what the things that we contain 
our spiritual practice, the way we pray. We have, a lot of us have not changed the way we pray for a decade, and God's like, man, I could really pray some big prayers through you if you just start prophesying your circumstances. We've been praying at God for so long. God's like, well, that's cool, you know, talk to me, but why don't you start praying with me, and we'll partner and get a lot done. Because the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Helps us in our weaknesses. And God says, I got a prayer that I want to give you. I want to teach you how to pray, but it can't fit into your current paradigm. So what we need is a paradigm shift. We need something that might not look the same. It looks a little bit different, but I want to tell you something. When God reveals himself to us, it will fit into our framework. Because there's new, there's new, there's new. Say there's new. What does it mean to have an open heaven? Now, this makes so much sense that Jesus said this in Luke 5, 37. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst into the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. He said, you need a new container. He told the Pharisees, your framework is not going to work for what I'm going to bring. Because I'm bringing the kingdom. Not your empire, not your religion, not your politics, not your other stuff. I'm bringing something that's going to change the face of the earth. And I'm pouring into 12. I know it might seem odd to you. I don't have 12 synagogues all over. And I know the crowd's following me. But I'm pouring into the 12 relationally for three years. And they're going to change the face of the world because that's my paradigm. With power, with demonstration. Not a good, happy little message to make you feel good all week long. Something that will change me. I don't want a message to make me feel good. See, people are going to start getting hungry for real food. People are starting to, this is not working. The prayer, God rend the heavens. There's a cry, God rend the heavens. Now Jesus, he prayed and the heavens were open. How many know there's revelation for today? Paul told the church, you need to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But a lot of us think, well, you know, I, I'm pretty, well, it either comes this way, that, that, you know, I know all there is to know about the Bible in one way or another, or we don't think that there's anything else for us to learn because God doesn't speak that way anymore. And we're living after, off of yesterday's manna when God is trying to breathe a new voice and a new word into us, or we've neglected the things that he said in the past and we're still focused on this old paradigm that we can't get the new. So God wants to speak to us. Now, Jesus, I want to share this with you. Listen, we are called to change our spiritual climate. We're not called to be overcome by our spiritual climate. Well, why would you plant a church where there's casinos? That's just evil. No, we have the kingdom of heaven in our midst. And we're called to bring change to the earth. Hello? And make disciples of every nations. See, if we do it humanly possible, let's go build a church on a nice little corner. Well, that's fine. But we're going to plant where God tells us to plant. And we've already grown out of this building, pretty much. We're looking for another facility right now. And we want to expand our territory. We want to enlarge our framework so we can contain that which God wants to do. I want to prophesy some of you, again, that are being discipled are about ready to step into a role of discipleship. And some of you think, well, listen, I, my framework is empty. I'm still in need of some healing. Yeah, there's some things. I want to tell you a story 
in the Bible where there was a man with more demons recorded in the Gospels than any other man. In one Gospel, it says he had 2,000. 2,000 demons. Wow. How many have ever seen demons cast out of people? How many do they have? A couple? A few? Ten? The most? 2,000 demons. This dude was cutting himself, which, by the way, is demonic. Cut, it's a sign of demonic. Cutting himself. He was chained in a cave. You guys know the story, right? Gadaria. Jesus comes, casts the devils out. And then he says, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. He says, no, go and just tell your friends what happened. That guy needed discipleship more than any of the other ones. He had 2,000 demons. But that wasn't the framework of the kingdom. Oh, he needs discipleship. Religion cannot contain what God wants to pour out. So some of you might be like that unstable man that was in the cave for so long. But as you step up into the role of thinking about other people more than yourselves, God will take care of that thing that you're dealing with. Now, if you have some serious problems, you shouldn't be discipling anybody. But the little things that we get, we beat ourselves up. It's like, oh God, I just... The reason we still struggle is because we're a dead sea, because we're not allowing the river of life to flow through with us. We've just, nothing lives in the dead sea. Everything floats too, because there's so much salt in the dead sea. It just floats. And so God wants to change our paradigm, church. We got to change our spiritual climate. We have to be the ones to realize, listen, listen to this. What the prophets cried out for, we have full access to today. Stop asking God for stuff and declaring things in the earth. I'm talking about freedom. Well, I pray that you'd set this person free. God wants to set him free. That's why he sent Jesus. Hello? His blood was shed. It was done. Now bring it to somebody. Give it to someone. Freely you have received, now freely give. And you're not giving by praying these old prayers in the old paradigm. I pray that you would heal this person. Declare healing, command sickness. Listen, I want to tell you a story of a, a, a girl, a young lady named Lorena, that was having some problems with her lungs. She had walking pneumonia. She was pregnant, about eight months pregnant, 34 weeks Seven months, thanks. I don't know math. Come on, dude. 34 weeks. She was about ready to have the baby, and the doctor said, dude, your lungs, they probably didn't say dude, but I said dude, so I'm a, it's my story. I'm going to tell it like that. Dude, your lungs are full of liquid, fluid. You have walking pneumonia. You need to, we're checking you in the hospital. It was so bad that they put her on a respirator. They had to put her in an induced coma remove her baby, and she was literally about to die. How many times did they say she's probably not going to make it, Jenna? Three times, three or four times. I'm sorry, she's young. That's not God's will. Sorry. Nope, nope, nope. She has destiny over her life. No, 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 no. And there's a destroyer out there trying to take breath from people, let me tell you. And we prayed. Many of you got texts from Lori at one in the morning. Raise your hand and say, ooh, glory, if you did. <laughs> Pray in the night hour. 
Jenna's there staying the night in the hospital. It's Jenna's sister-in-law praying. We go and pray. We begin to see breakthrough. The enemy, or the doctor says, no, 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 no. They're, they're not, she's not going to make it. I'm sorry, you know, over and over again. We pray. We see breakthrough. One day we're praying over her, and actually Lori and Jenna are praying over her, and her, all of a sudden her breathing just gets tremendously better. It goes from 100%, where, which is bad. It means it's doing all the work. She's not doing anything on her own. And it goes to 80. And one day it went all the way to 60. Remember that? We're praying over her. She's in a coma. She opens her eyes while we're praying for her. Breakthrough. Yes, Lord, keep it coming. She responds. We keep praying. We bring more people to pray. Rochelle and Lori. We saw three, four, maybe you know more, but breakthroughs. And we kept praying. We kept declaring. We didn't pray, God, if it's your will, heal this person. Now, some of you don't like what I'm saying right now. That's okay. You know, it's, but I'm, I'm preaching scripture here. Jesus made it clear. The leper came. If you're willing, you can cleanse me. Understand a leper was untouchable. Un, un, you cannot come near a leper. They're outside the camp, man. They are out there. You don't touch them. Jesus moved with compassion and said, I'm willing. Be cleansed. And so we're declaring life to this young girl. Now, if she were not to make it, we wouldn't blame God. We live in a depraved world. We live in a time where, listen, we have a free will, and a lot of the stuff we go through, we bring on ourselves, frankly. But we're not going to blame other people. We're going we're to say, you know what? She was born again, and she's with Jesus. But God had another plan. And as we declared life to this young girl, one day we went to the little religious chapel in this hospital. We prayed, and the Holy Ghost filled the, filled the place. We were all wrecked. You remember that? Jenna was on her knees crying. Rochelle was worshiping, just weeping. And we're like, God, and we're just, you know, stirring up our hearts. God, the spirit of faith. And we go up, we breathe life into her. Literally, God just breathed life into her. From that point on, we began to see a turnaround. Turnaround. Right now, she's about to be released from the hospital. Is that correct? Because we serve Jehovah Rapha. Now, had we prayed the prayers of the old paradigm, I don't know what would happen. But what I do know is is that God wants us to understand what the prophets cried out for, we have access to today. Don't get stuck in the old paradigm when God's wanting to pour down new wine. It's time to get a paradigm shift. I would like to get a hammer and just bust the old one. But I'm going to take this thing down because what God wants to do is give him, give us a revelation of who he is. What is an open heaven? We're praying open heaven. Listen, I want to read this verse to you and then we're going to close in a moment. Luke 3, 21. When all the people were baptized, it came that Jesus was also, also baptized. While he prayed, the heavens were open. Say, while he prayed, the heavens were opened. And then the Holy Spirit came and descended. The prayer of Isaiah was God run the heavens and come down answered in Jesus. And what Jesus did, he just released on his disciples. We're called to change our spiritual climate. When we pray, the heavens should open. Listen, Jesus said in Matthew 13, 17, for assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and hear, but you did not hear it. He's saying, do you realize the day you live in that they cried out for what you get now? You're living in it. You have it. We're walking in it. 
We're seeing manifestations of the kingdom. What does an open heaven look like? We've got to learn to live under that place. And if it feels like the heavens are closed, open it up. Hello? God's raising up warriors in this house that will carry Jesus in such a powerful way that we will not be run down with the old paradigm and religion and old prayers that don't work. What does an open heaven look like? I want to tell you a few stories of an open heaven. One time we're driving and worshiping. And Rochelle's worshiping the Lord. She's singing, come like you promised. This is about, I don't know, two years ago. And she's worshiping. And man, the Holy Spirit was so present in the car. She just begins to weep. Pulls into the driveway. Can't move. Weeping. I said, honey, stay right here. Just spend time with Jesus. I go inside. Daniel and Stephanie happened to be over. They came over. We walked out to the car. And the glory of God was so heavy. Our knees were buckling as we came close to the car. It was an open heaven because her heart was open. Right there. God was pouring out his spirit. Amazing. I'll never forget. We all got drunk too. I mean, we're just messed up, just wrecked. His love just wrecked us. We were crying, laughing. I remember Stephanie and Rochelle both were literally slain in the spirit on the ground in the house later. God had some plans. He says, I want to bless you kids. I just want to pour out my spirit on you. And he was looking for somebody to just open up a little, open, rend my heart, rend my heart, rend the heavens, open the heavens. They're open. But we've been preaching that you've got to open them for so long that that's the old paradigm. We don't realize that they're already open. God's just waiting to pour out his spirit if you get the right container. I remember one time I was witnessing on the strip. We were at a little casino called Silver City. At that time, I think it was the only one that was smoke-free. And we would go in there, and we're witnessing on the strip. We're literally preaching the gospel to people and in, in our own way, what we knew how to. This is probably, this is before I was married, probably 15 years ago, maybe more. And we're preaching, and I'm singing a song, and I walk in the restroom, and this man runs up to me, and he says, what were you just singing? And I said, oh, it was just a worship song. He said, I prayed 10 minutes ago God would send me someone to bring me to a church. 10 minutes ago, right there. And he's tripping out. I'm like, whoa, you know, calm down, bro. And I'm just singing. And God opened the heavens right there. We pray with him. He ends up coming to the church I went to at that time for years, plugged in. God answered his prayer. But we're praying two feet from the bar. And we join hands and we begin to pray. Literally, every one of us, our knees were buckling under the weight of the glory of God. Right in the bar. God loves bars. Because people need freedom there. Amen. And we're praying right next to the, I'll never forget. And I'm looking around I'm like, dude, this is trippy. The presence of God is in here. I remember one time I went with my sister years ago to a, uh, a thing that she was having at a workplace and it was a venue and there was also a bar there and they were, it, there was a band playing that I knew they actually practice at a church that I went to. And we kind of opened up the venue to them to use, the, to practice. They're not saved. They end up getting saved. They recognize me. They know I'm a worship leader. Zach, play a song in a bar. I'm like, are you serious? Okay. So I play a worship song in a bar. A bunch of drunk people. Hallelujah. Heaven came down. 
I look down at Rochelle and Alicia, and they're like, oh, God, crying because the presence of God was there. It was amazing. People came up. I haven't been in church in so long. I need to, get, I need to go back to church. Prodigals came up to me. I started singing a spontaneous song in a bar. Hallelujah. Amen. It was heavens were open in that moment. Church, we've got to start realizing that God has opened the heavens and he's called us to go and bring that life to people. We need to stop preaching and living under Old Testament prayers and walk in New Testament open heaven power. The heavens are open now. Are you ready for God to come like rain now? You see, Paul said this, as a matter of fact, right after he said, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech, but demonstrating the spirit and the power of God. He also quoted Isaiah, says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered in the heart of man what God has for those that love him. I kicked the old paradigm by accident. I should do it again, but I need it for next service. Isaiah said, nor eye has seen, nor, and we always stop there in Corinthians. Well, no, I have seen, but the next verse says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. He was quoting this verse of Isaiah's prayer, rend the heavens. See, Paul wanted them to understand which he said just a couple verses later in 1 Corinthians that you have been given everything you need. I want you to know what has been freely given to you by God. Stop praying for things he's already given you. Hello? Now, I'm not talking about name it and claim it, you know, I'm just going to pray for Mercedes Benz and all this selfish amiss, which we're going to talk about what an open heaven looks like as the months to come. What does an open heaven look like? I, I know what it looks like. It looks like when Jenna goes to the doctor and they say, you're probably going to need surgery on your back. And we're praying Tuesday night. No, no, that's the doctor's report. Let's bring some healing. And Vicky and some of the sisters and brothers go and begin to pray for her. And all of a sudden, this pop. What the heck was that thing? Her, bo- her back popped into place. Pain left. What did the doctor say? Well, he's an atheist. She said, God heal me. He's like, well, whatever happened, you're fine now. Isn't that what he said? Did God heal you, Jenna? That was an open heaven. That's what an open heaven looks like. An open heaven looks like children that are hungry being fed. An open heaven looks like people in prison being visited by lovers of God, ministering the love of God to them. An open heaven looks like a marriage being restored. I know what an open heaven looks like. I've seen it. I'm looking at a people now. I can testify to you. And there's so much more that he wants to do in Henderson if we get a new paradigm. God wants to take all those things that aren't quite like they were before and put them into our New paradigm. Amen? I want to pray for you. Lift up your hands. You can stay seated if you like. I know I went a little long. It's 1044. Let's close. People from second service are starting to come in. So, Lord, we thank you that you're shifting our paradigm. You're shifting our framework because you want the new. And, Lord, there's things that you want to pour out that right now in our current structure we cannot contain. So we pray that you'd usher in the new wineskin as a church. You're causing us to rise up and become mature in the Lord. You're causing us to rise up because you're calling us to, to reap a mighty harvest in Henderson. 
You're causing us, Lord, to, to see things differently, but also act accordingly and make disciples of all the nations. To raise up a warring army of God in Henderson that will go from the inner city to the outer nations because there's multitudes and multitudes and multitudes that have been crying out oppressed in this region for far too long. It's about time the church arises with a new paradigm saying, you know what, it might have been done this way before, but I'm going to bring the kingdom this time. I'm not going to give a hand out, I'm going to give a hand up. I'm not going to just give them a nice little word. I'm going to demonstrate the spirit and the power of God to this generation. We're not going to just have, I know the hearts of our youth pastors, a youth group where we can hang, but we're going to have a youth group where they encounter, which we do encounter the living God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, the prayer that you prayed through Isaiah to open the heavens was answered in Jesus. Saints, the heavens are open over you. Whatever you need, just receive it right now. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring freedom to you. Some of you are literally bound in your past. I can see this in the spirit. You're, you're chained in your past and you feel like God is still disappointed in you, but you've always been his child. As a matter of fact, the scripture says he's married to the backslider. The prodigal father just looked on the horizon waiting for his son to come home. Don't let your past bind you any longer. He is not mad at you. He loves you. So I'm praying right now, those of you that feel bound in your past, that is an old paradigm. I command those shackles to come off of you right now in the name of Jesus. If you have sin in your life, you're struggling. I want to open the altars. Come right now if you need freedom. If you want a paradigm shift with that same thing that you're dealing with, you need to come right now. The spirit of anger, the spirit, the depression, whatever it is, I want you to come. The altars are open. And we're going to pray together, and I'm going to dismiss you as we're still praying up here so first service can come in. I'm going to wait. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Touch your people, Lord. I know what it's like to want to quit, church. So if you felt like giving up, I want you to come to the altar because God's going to give you a new paradigm. I'm not here to entertain you, church. I'm here to give you the real deal. Holy Spirit, demonstrate yourself right now. Come. Come, do your thing. Kingdom come right now. I'm telling you, I see tears of freedom right now. Chains falling off. Chains coming off of you right now. It's a new paradigm. It's a new framework because God's about ready to pour out some new wine into you. There's more. I want you to come. The altars are open. Begin to worship him. Just begin to receive. Say, Lord, just take this stony heart and give me a heart that you can mold and shape. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of thinking about this thing. It's like a thorn in my flesh, this pain. But God says, I want to bring freedom to you. You know what the thorn, I believe, was in Paul's flesh? It was not an ailment. Read it in context. It was the church that was so mean to him. And he says, God's given me this church. It's death to me, but life to you. They were the thorn in his flesh. Some of you have a thorn of, of people's hurts, past hurts. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. God says, I'm about ready to take out the thorn so you can walk uprightly again.
and you learn to love people that hurt you. I know what it's like to be hurt. I'm telling you, when you start serving the Lord, the enemy will just use all kind of people to just mess with you. Just try to hurt you. Try to get you to be bitter. Because if he can hurt you, then you just, you walk away. So that thing that says, throw in the towel, I pray an end to that voice right now in Jesus' name. You have breath from heaven. You're alive. You're blessed. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord, army of God. Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. If I was a general, I would never send my soldiers in the battlefield without the tools they need. God says, be strong in my power. I said, Lord, I want a new paradigm. I want a new paradigm. Milo, you're you're a revivalist. That's your paradigm. I prophesy strength to your heart right now. Receive it. Let him pour on you. Milo, just receive. Let him pour on you right now. Oh, I'm praying in the spirit right now. I'm praying in the spirit right now. I'm praying with understanding. I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Come on, the saints, pray in the spirit. Say, God, we want everything you have for us. Change our paradigm. This is it. We want breakthrough. He's breaking through like the breaking forth of waters. Something in me is rising up, and I'm going to say no to the cycles of failure in some of your lives because you're trying to fit the new in an old paradigm. Receive the new paradigm. Receive the new framework. It's not going to be like it was. As a matter of fact, in Paul's cry, or in Isaiah's cry, Paul quotes him in Corinthians and says, Nor I has seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And we stop there, but the next verse says, But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And then he says, God's freely you given you stuff. You need to realize what you already have. Read it, 1 Corinthians. And before that, he says, I came to you to demonstrate the spirit and the power of God. That's what he's doing right now. Some of you are feeling a stirring in you. God's given you a new paradigm. It's not going to be like it was. And don't presume what revival is going to look like or this or that because you've been there and done that. But that's presumption. And those are presumptuous sins that will keep you in the old framework. So I want new and I want more. And I'm going to say, reveal to me what that is, God. I want new. Who wants new? Come on, you want new. Just lift your hands up and say, I want the new, God. I see a bunch of leaders in this room. I see preachers and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. I see lovers of God and lovers of people and people that make disciples. We're raising up pastors and leaders to shepherd. He's preparing the nets for the harvest in Henderson. As a pastor, I'm looking at you, church. I'm saying, let's move to the new paradigm. I don't want the old framework to hinder us from receiving what God really wants to do in here and in this region. Are you with me? If you're with me, I want to ask you, would you stand up and lift your hands and begin to cry out for it? I'm hungry, Lord. I'm hungry, Lord. I'm hungry for the real 
Because there's people, you know, there's, there's a lot of teenagers out there that tasted religion and it ain't doing nothing for them. What they need is an encounter with the love of Jesus. I want the real. If you're with me, I want you to ask them for the new. Jesus said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. It's about to break out. I can see it. <laughs> I can see people flooding the altar. Because the magnitude of the presence and the love of God, the smile on the faces of people, genuine, full of joy and unspeakable glory, just coming and loving on the unloved, the broken. I see the buildings. We don't have any room. We're looking for more facilities, which are just tools for the kingdom of God. And, the, and it's flooded because His glory. It's flooded because of His love and His presence. Because God smiles on Henderson and he said, I've chosen you in this place for a move of heaven. So get the new paradigm. Get rid of the old and walk in the new. Because what I want to give you cannot be contained in what you've done yesterday. You know, listen, William Seymour, one of the revivalists in the Azusa Street Revival, said that as he grew in the Lord, it was like, a curtain would fall at his heels on the been there, done that, and all the stuff he did in the past, good and bad. Like Paul said, I press on, I press forward. Let a curtain fall at your heels right now with the old paradigm. Are you hungry for new? Then you need to get rid of that thing that you keep stumbling on. Every move of God is marked with genuine repentance. Guess what repentance is? It's getting a new paradigm. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, change your heart, turn your heart, change the way you think, change your framework, because I'm about to release my kingdom, and it cannot be contained in your current structure. I want to open the altars in three seconds. Whether you're repenting, you're crying out, you're interceding, the cry of to rend the heavens is becoming a cry to stay under the open heaven. Or you're saying, I'm a part of this thing. In the heaven. I'm, I'm opening the altars on the count of three. I want you to run, and we're going to pray together. And then I'm going to dismiss those that are going to be dismissed. But we're going to pray at the Encounter Church today. We're going to cry out. And I want to implore the young people to lead us in a violent, passionate prayer in just a moment. Altars are open. Come, please don't hesitate. And just begin to cry out. Dim these lights. Turn the worship up. Come. Come now. Come on, cry out. The orphans, the widows. We need a new framework. The hurting and the oppressed. The hungry children. Holy Spirit, come. Fire. Fire. Revival fire right now. Move of God. Come on, repent for the kingdom of heaven in the hand. Cry out to God. Get rid of that thing that's tripping you up, saints. Stop running from God. Don't run from the call anymore. You're in a place where you can walk in destiny. And I call warriors to walk in destiny right now. Freedom over you. Hallelujah. Those of you that felt like giving up, 
Now's your time. I want you to receive the new paradigm, the new framework. Receive what God's doing in your life. I'm going to take out the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. Holy Spirit, come. Some of you are having an encounter with the love of God right now, and it's like he's just branding your heart. You will not forget this moment. See, the breakthrough that he's giving you is you're never going to be the same after this moment. Wow. Can you receive that? You're never going to be the same. Those of you that might not be at the altar, it looks like almost everyone is. Hallelujah. I want you to pray. Stretch your hands forward. Stretch your hands forward. Pray. Stretch your hands forward. Pray. Come on. Begin to cry out. Let a roar come out right now. Say, God, we need you. The heavens are open. Fire. Revivalists are coming forth in the earth. Coming forth in Henderson. We declare freedom to the captives. We declare liberty right now. Let every chain be broken right now. The Old Testament cry for deliverance is the New Testament shout of dominion, shout of freedom, shout of the the dominion of God. Jesus is Lord. Let him set you free. That's it. Come on. Come on. Just don't stop now, saints. It's about to break forth in this region. He's looking for hungry, yielded vessels. See, what it's going to come down to is this, and I'm telling you as a pastor of a church that I will give my dying breath for the cause of Christ. I won't hold back. I won't be silent. I will preach Jesus. I will go to nations. Because of what he's done, I will not play patty cake Christianity. I want the real deal. I want fire. I want fire. I'm not going to settle for lukewarm garbage. I want fire. Sin has no dominion over me because I'm on fire. Reinhard Bunky says the flies cannot land on the oven when it's hot. Stay hot. Stay burning. I will give every breath for you, Jesus. Say that with me. I will die for you, Lord. I live for you. I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. In this moment. That's it. Pray, pray. Bible says that his government is increasing. That's what he's doing right now. His kingdom. Lord, this is the prayer you told us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, now please, everyone at the altar, just stay right where you are. I want to dismiss those that are here and you would like to be dismissed. And everyone that's up front, take your time. Stay here. We're going to pray together as a family. Listen, 
Easter's coming up. Resurrection Sunday. Let's begin to intercede for all the families in Henderson for that day. Whether they go to this church or another church, the ones that come here, we're going to pray that chains fall off, families are restored, turning the hearts, turning the hearts. That's the structure. That's the paradigm, the framework. The platform of the ministry of Jesus was on that. The spirit of Elijah to restore. Lord, we pray for restoration. I want you to begin to intercede, and I want to bless those that are here. We love you. We bless you. And if you would like to be dismissed, you may. Thank you for coming, and we we just bless you right now. In Jesus' name, you may be dismissed. Everyone at the front, just burn. Come on. Turn that up. Turn it up. Burn. Take your time. Take your time. Go after God. Go after him. Don't worry about praying for someone around you. Go after him. It's just you and him. Young people, lift a cry. That's it. Amen. Amen. We love you. Bless you. keep playing the music and I want you to just for a minute I want you to dream what's God doing in your heart where's the passion of your heart come on just go a little higher tonight just let your heart soar Lord restore the broken dreams restore the broken dreams restore the broken 